0: The last few months, we've, uh, as a staff, we've been having our staff meetings, and the way we've been kicking off our staff meetings every, every, uh, every week has been uh, we've basically done like a little Scripture reflection time um, for all of the staff, and we take the psalm for the coming Sunday. Well, this week, um, as we were praying, as we were kind of lifting up just what words or phrases might be sticking out to us, the words and phrases that stuck out, but there was a question that was proposed of what does fear of the Lord mean? Because we heard, it in our, we heard it in our psalm today that the fear of the Lord is pure. It's fear of the Lord is lasting. And that does not sound like a good thing. It sounds, that sounds kind of, that sounds awkward. That, that sounds like it, it shouldn't be something we want. Fear of the Lord. Because when we hear it, the first thing that comes to our mind is being scared of God. And when we hear the idea of the fear of the Lord, it's someone that I should be afraid of. There's a fear of the Lord. Now, In the church, when when you go to confirmation, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is said to be fear of the Lord. In the Scripture, we hear repeatedly throughout the course of of the Old Testament that the fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's the first step of wisdom. It's, It's all these different things. So they must not be talking about fear of the Lord as being afraid of God or scared of God. So fear of the Lord must mean something else. Another way that that gift of the Holy Spirit has been defined, is wonder and awe. That it's not, it's not so much a fear as in I'm afraid, but instead it's a fear of I'm, sh- I'm struck with wonder. That when I come to recognize who God is, when I come to see His might, when I come to see His power, when I come to see His goodness, His loving, His loving nature, that I am struck completely dumbfounded. And it's overwhelming. And I tremble before Him." We become overwhelmed by God, by His goodness, by His love. And that can almost look like a fear. Now, the reason why I bring that up, you might be thinking, well, Father, that's okay, thank you. That, that was a good, little, that's a good little factoid. That's good. I'll, I'll save that, put that in my back pocket, pull that out for a party, uh, and it'll be really good. And I'm going to have all kinds of people laughing, and, and I'm going to sound like I know what I'm talking about. You can use it for that, yes. But I think, it's, I think this image, I think this point, it, it, it's something that goes beyond just defining a couple of words that we might find in the psalm. Because I think if we approach fear of the Lord, and I think we approach God, and there's a fear of God, or being afraid of God, being scared of God, when that happens, I think it, it has a pervasive effect on the way that we approach our faith. That goes way beyond just the name of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think I think sometimes we can we, this can kind of it can kind of skew our way of looking at it. Kind of becomes a lens that puts a shadow over everything that we do in our faith. For example, our first reading today. In our first reading, we hear about Moses giving the Ten Commandments, and we know them, right? Not, you shall not have other gods besides me. Keep holy. Uh, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Keep holy the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother. Do not kill. And on and on and on and on. I really did that because I don't know if I could have gotten 6 through 10 as easy. <laughs> but the 10 commandments like we we know the 10 commandments. They're there. Most, most a lot of churches have a nice little plaque outside to make sure that they're listed, right? We 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 see this as a good moral code. But when we approach the 10 commandments as something that's out of fear of the Lord, then it's a then what it becomes is is a rubric that we're graded by. And if we don't meet the rubric, Go to hell. That's a fear of the Lord. That's a fear of God. That's a way of being afraid of God. But if we can approach the Ten Commandments and we can approach the moral teaching of the church and the disciplines of our church with the way in which we're struck dumbfounded and in awe of God's love, then it can start to make sense. There can be a level of reverence that we approach these things with. And it's not just a rubric that might send you to hell one day. Like, let's look at this story, let's, let's get a little bit of context around the Ten Commandments, and I think we can come to understand it a little bit differently than just a rubric. Just a list of rules. that thou shalt nots. Right? Moses. Moses is, in Israel. Moses is in Egypt, he has the Israelites, they are all enslaved. Right? We hear about the story of Moses in the beginning of the book of Exodus, that he rises kind of to power, he rises in popularity, he, he, he is chosen by God, right? They have all of the, we see all of the plagues that take place, you probably have seen these kind of, the, the, the different movies of it, whether it be Charlton Heston back in, back in the, in before like the 90s, the 80s, whenever it was, that movie came out, I, I don't really know because it was old, right? Or... I'm sorry if that offended anybody. Or, or you might have seen it when in my generation whenever Tommy Pickles stood in place of, of Moses for the rugrats, right? Um, but regardless of how you saw it, we know the story. That there were these plagues that happened. The Israelites finally were let go by Pharaoh. Moses leads them out into the desert. Pharaoh second guesses himself. They get to the Red Sea. And what happens? God splits the Red Sea. The Israelites walk through and then he closes it up on the Egyptians who were chasing him. And Pharaoh's men all drown. The entire army is wiped out. And God brings the Israelites into freedom through the Red Sea. Well, they start walking through the desert afterwards. They're for 40 years, they're wandering in the desert, but they come to this one moment that we hear about in today's first reading, where they come to the foot of Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God has been leading them. God has been with them. God goes up on top of Mount Sinai and says, Moses, I want you to come up to receive the law, the Ten Commandments. And Moses goes up and he gets to converse with God. He's before God, he's, he's in the glory cloud with God, and he's getting, he receives the tablets, the law. Now, while that's going on up on top of a mountain, down on the bottom, it's not so nice. Because Moses, their leader, the person who has led these Israelites out of slavery, now into a desert, seems to abandon the people for a month. Because he goes up and he's before God for a month, receiving the law. So what do people start to do? Well, the, the idea of idolatry, the idea of sacrificing to other gods, little g gods, all of these other gods that they might have had in Egypt, was because you made sacrifice so that you got harvest, or you made sacrifice so that you got crops, or that you had food, or that you had the things that you need to survive. And honestly, they just got abandoned, seemingly, so what did they do? They went right back to their old way. They made a golden calf, and we know the story. They start to worship at an idol. Not realizing that the first commandment that Moses is getting is, I am the Lord your God and you shall not have other gods besides Me. Now if we look at the Ten Commandments from a standpoint of it's just a list of rules, well then you know what? They're in trouble. All of them messed up. And it's a bad thing that they did not follow the list of rules. But the Ten Commandments is more than just a list of rules. Rules. The Ten Commandments is more than just a bunch of things we have to do or we don't earn heaven. The Ten Commandments are a lot less a list of rules and a lot more a promise from God. You see, when when Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, God's not just giving them a list of rules to govern the people. God's inviting them into a relationship with Him known as a covenant. Now the difference between a covenant and a contract, we, we know what contracts are. You're gonna, you have a list of demands, I have a list of demands, what we're going to do is we're going to meet in the middle somewhere, I'm going to give and take, you're going to give and take, but at the end of the day, when we make a contract, I'm going to get what I, I'm owed and you're going to get what you're owed, right? Anybody with a business, you know, I'm going to come do a service and you're going to give me money. That's how a contract works. We're going to get something out of it. With the covenant, though, this image of covenant was something that was much bigger. It wasn't about what I could get. It was an agreement, a partnership. But it was all about, I'm going to give everything to you. And I assume you're going to give everything back to me. When God's entering into a covenant with Moses, He's saying, I'm going to give the Israelites everything everything that you need, everything that you can dream of. You're hungry, I'm going to give you food. You're thirsty, I'm going to give you drink. You need a place to settle, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to give you everything you need. All I ask is that you return the favor. So the offense that the people are doing down at the base of Mount Sinai is a lot less about not following the first rule, but it's a lot more like cheating in a marriage. Because they're going to another god. See, we see this covenant language play out in weddings today. If a bride and a groom walk up and they come to get to the point of saying their vows and they look at each other and say, whoa, 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 I I didn't know this was the rules. I didn't know. If we see it just as a list of rules or if they come to a wedding and it's a contract that they're entering into and all they want to do is see what they can get from the other person, the marriage is doomed to fail. No question. The marriage is absolutely doomed to fail. But whenever a couple comes to Mass, when they come to their wedding Mass, when they come and they stand before God, they are saying, I want to give everything to you. And I'm going to be vulnerable for a moment and assume and trust that you're going to give everything back. See, that's the promise that God is making On Sinai that's the promise of the Ten Commandments is that God is looking and saying I want to give everything to my chosen people I want to give everything to you I think for us what happens is that we can live in the fear of the Lord that's just about a list of rules and we're af- we can be afraid of God. Because our relationship with God a lot of times is what I, what, what I need to get from it. Is what, what, what can I get out of it? What is mine to take? What am I owed? It's, we don't have to go far to see moments of being afraid. Uh, this, this coming week, or next couple of weeks or so, we're going to hit an anniversary that none of us will forget. When schools shut down, when churches shut down, when parents all of a sudden went from having a full-time job to having two, whatever you do for a living, and a home teacher. I don't know about you, but I remember in March of last year, when the road when when i'm seeing that the the high, the highway 1 is empty and I, I, we didn't know what this disease did or didn't do we didn't know how it was spread or didn't spread we didn't know how serious it was or wasn't we we didn't know anything about it where the question might be that it it it, it was either the it was either a common cold or a death sentence i don't know about you but i i i'll be honest i was afraid I was very afraid. What's this going to do? What's the world going to look like? See, that's not how God that that's not the kind of fear that God wants us to live in. That's not the kind of fear that God wants us to exist in in his church. God wants us to be, uh, not, not, God doesn't want us to live with the fear of being overcome, but instead, He wants to li- us to live in a relationship with Him that's a fearlessness of being overwhelmed by His love, by His goodness. Because when we see His power, when we see His strength, when we see how big He is, what happens? He pours all of it out for you and for me. He gives him complete his complete self. That covenant of Mount Sinai has been renewed over and over again and it leads us to, it leads us to Good Friday when Jesus Christ says, I'm willing to give everything to you. Not to a chosen people. Not to, not to the nation of Israel, all the Israelites walking in the desert. I'm willing to give everything personally to you. That fear... That, 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 that is the kind of fear, that is the trembling effect of God. That He would be so big, the overwhelming love of God, that He would be so big, so powerful, that He wants to give everything to us. And all He asks is one thing in return. He just asks, he just asks us to, re- to respond to this, with the same yes back. Lynn is the perfect time for us. The perfect time for us to, in, to, to dive back in and touch base with that sort of love of God. It's the perfect time for us to examine ourselves and ask the question, what is it that is holding me back from allowing God to love me in that way? What weaknesses in my life? What things in my life that are standing in the way of me responding with the same free total and fruitful yes that God has given to me? What sin? Like the rest of the Mass today, this week, ask yourself, what's the the one thing that's standing in the way of God loving you more fully or holding you back from loving God more truly, more completely? It it might be, I'm I'm busy. It might be be a particular sin that I continue to go back to, that I I continue to try and medicate myself with that doesn't work. It might be something in your past, a memory, an action, something that you did that you just that was done to you or you did that you just never was able to reconcile. But what God is calling us into, what God is leading us into, what he's inviting us into in this covenant, in this kind of promise, in this kind of relationship is that he wants to be the one who's going to supply everything we need. As long as we're vulnerable and we let Him. That can be worrisome. (laughs) That can be something that might be hard to... Being that vulnerable with God could be something that might be overwhelming. It might be something that's really hard to do. might even cause us to tremble. But God's looking at us and saying, there's no reason for you to be scared just come to me with your weakness. Come to me and be vulnerable. Come to me and let me supply all that you need. Today we get, we get an opportunity to see God face to face. Moses, whenever he saw God face to face later on in Exodus, um, whenever he was face to face with God, the, God's face shined so brightly on his that he became His face was like the sun. Like his face started to glow. At one point, he's invited up on a mountain to be before God face to face. And when he comes back down, his face is too much to handle. You can't look at him because his face was glowing. So what they did was he essentially turned into a saint's fan from the 90s where he put a bag over his head. He walked around with a veil. And that was the only way that people talked to him, legitimately. That was the only way people talked to him was that he had a veil in front of his face. Because he was able to see God face to face. God worked a miracle in his life and then he became a light out to the rest of the world that was too bright. God can make Moses' face glow. He can turn Peter from a denier into a pope and he can turn Paul from a murderer into an evangelist. He can work in your life as well. The one thing that all three of them did was they allowed God to be God. They allow God into their weakness. They they allowed God into their vulnerability. God wants to work a miracle in your life as well. We get to see Him and receive Him face to face today. May we not be scared of God. May we not have an apprehension towards God, but instead come to Him with our vulnerability, with our weakness and let him supply all that we need.